This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A review of Carnival Splendor this week. Uh, So last week I mentioned I'm going to Bermuda next week and I was asking for suggestions. Well, 63 of you emailed me and gave me um, all of your advice. So I haven't replied to everyone yet, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Looks like I may do Horseshoe Bay, I believe it is. Um, If you have any other suggestions, drop me a line before I go. I still have a week. Doug at cruiseradio.net. All right. Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So this is an interesting um, story here. FEMA chartered a cruise ship for the hurricane relief last year when those two bad hurricanes came through the Caribbean, but they didn't wind up making the most of this charter and it's gotten, um, it's made its rounds. What happened here? Yeah, it's getting some press finally. Well, following Hurricane Maria, FEMA had contracted with Carnival Cruise Line to charter the fascination for four months. And this was all done, you know, paperwork legally and everything else. The ship would then house federal aid workers and the first responders. Um, Carnival would be responsible for three meals a day and then unlimited coffee, tea, and water, you know, sort of like a floating hotel. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they could always pay, um, you know, if they wanted alcohol, I guess. That wasn't in the contract for sure. But Carnival was paid $74.7 million for doing this. Now, the ship can hold up to 2,056 people, but what happened was, and this is going back to what you just said, if they averaged out how many people actually stayed aboard the ship over the course of the four months, it was closer to 799 people per nightly stay rather than 2,056, which was covered in the $74.7 million. So if you do the math, Carnival received more for the contract to house the workers that only really half showed up than the victims of Hurricane Maria received to rebuild their lives. Okay, so this is my, I guess, comment then, is that it's getting all this press, but if the government charters a ship they're responsible for filling the ship, correct? Like, it's not... Carnival has no involvement. Carnival said, hey, if you want this ship, it's going to cost 70-something million dollars. And the government pays it, and they fill the ship, correct? Like, Carnival has nothing to do with them filling the ship full of relief workers or residents, correct? That would be, that would be how I right. would think of it. You know, they, they, they did the math based on, you know, 2,056 workers for four months. Mm-hmm. You know, with meals and housing, and that's I would assume how they came up with the seventy-four million dollars. Um, yeah, it's not Carnival's fault if the ship doesn't get filled. I would think. Yeah, it's an interesting story, and it's it's weird that I guess it's finally coming out. You know, what six, seven, eight months later. So it's because um, yeah, we're circling back to hurricane mm-hmm. season again. Yep. So I think uh, people are starting to take notice. Yep. Beat the drum. Let's see here. Uh, Holland America. They announced a big announcement today. A godmother of their upcoming cruise ship. Yeah, this is big news. Holland America just announced that Oprah Winfrey will be the godmother of their new ship called the New Statendam. Uh, it's still under construction in Italy, but it will launch later this year. And uh, on December 9th, New Statendam will leave from Rome for Fort Lauderdale, which will be the new home port, and arrive on December 19th. There are some short cruises planned, but there will be a big inaugural event, of course, Oprah, 
and her entourage will be there, but as of right now, it's a private event, and no date was made public at this time. Disney Cruise Line heading to Canada. Is this big news for Disney? This is big news for Disney. It's the first time that they will sail to Quebec City, um, which is, you know, on the St. Lawrence River. Uh-huh. Disney Magic's going to be calling on Quebec City on September 20th and the 27th. Both will be a Halloween-themed cruise because, you know, the 27th obviously is still too soon, but they're going to kick into the spirit anyway. Um, the ship will also visit Halifax, Saguenay, and Baikamo. Um, and spend two full days in Quebec. So I think that's awesome. I love Quebec. In two days really isn't enough, but two days is sure better than one overnight. Oh, that's for sure. I, I love Quebec because it's very, uh, I, I guess, what it, like it's very castle-y, I want to say. Like, you know how the roads are very, like, right around the bay there, like the brick roads? Yeah. yeah. It's still, I mean, old, old Quebec is right there. You can walk there from the port. You can take a funicular mm-hmm. up to the top. That's always fun. Yeah, it's a beautiful city, and it's really cool. Disney's going to be there. That should be a nice boon for their economy, too. Carnival Cruise Line is going to position one of their ships in a new home port next year. What are the details on this? Yeah, this is uh, interesting. Carnival Spirit's going to home port in Brisbane, Australia. It's uh, the first time that a ship has ever home ported there. Spirit will arrive in 2020, so it's still a little bit you know, far off, but they will be sailing year-round cruises. That will include Vanuatu and New Caledonia. Don't ask me to say that again. And there, there will still be shorter cruises offered to northern Queensland, or North Queensland, as they say. And Carnival Spirit has all those fancy features and, and the daredevils, you know, water slides. And Australians, are, they're always up for a good time. So I think this will be a really fun cruise experience out of Brisbane. I do like that Spirit class of ships. Do you? I do, too. Yeah. I, I remember when this one used to go to Hawaii years mm-hmm. ago. Yep, sure did. I, I was actually, this is kind of unrelated, but you know how <laughs> Carnival Splendor is doing that 24-night reposition from L.A. to, I think, Singapore, like in October yeah. of 2019? I think I, I priced it out today. And you like these long sailings. Do you think you could do that for 24 nights for an, in, in an inside cabin is around $1,700 per person? Well, that would be 34 based on double. Oh, that's you true. Know, for a single person, right? Yeah, yeah. 1700 per person. So, yeah, that's based on double occupancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could ease. I like longer cruises. 14 yeah. days and more, you know, count me in. Yeah. Um, 30, 30, you know, $3,400, you have to add your bar. You have to add water, you know, water packages, Wi-Fi. So I think you would need to budget closer to $4,500. But still, I mean, 24 days, you know, it's it's a fabulous repositioning option. Yeah, I mean, if you base it on double occupancy, it's about $80 per person per day. So 160 yep. per day if you uh, a solo person going. Yeah, I was, just, I was looking at it just for grins. Uh, let's see, moving on here. So the big island of Hawaii, we were just talking about that with Spirit going there years ago. Um, looks like it's reopening slowly for business. It is, but there's still, you know, Kilauea is still erupting, but Norwegian's Pride of America is going to resume their port visits. Actually, it's happening this week. They're going to return to Hilo and Kona on the big island of Hawaii. You know, I'm sure that they will still have their precautions and shore excursions will be limited. You know, they won't be able to go into the park, of course. But uh, so far, four other cruise lines still have not re-added either of those two ports back into their itineraries, and that includes Royal Caribbean, Princess, Oceana, and Crystal. 
Okay. Listener question comes from Robbie in Arizona. Robbie says, on last week's show, you were talking about Royal Caribbean's water park they are building on their private island, and you mentioned the cost of Atlantis in Bahamas. We have a family of five and would like to go to Atlantis for the day. That's $200 per person times five. That gets expensive quick. FYI, we got our cruise for under $2,000. Do you have any ideas on how to get a price break on Atlantis or alternatives when ported in Nassau? Well, Robbie, it's really not as bleak as you think. I just I spent way too much time checking this out because I was kind of curious also. Um, and I went to Atlantis's website, and there are options. In fact, there are 14 different activities that you can choose from on a day pass. But I'll just give you a couple of examples. So it's not quite as bad as 200 per person times five people. And I don't know if um, three of those five or four are children, but they mm-hmm. do have different rates for children and adults. And if you wanted unlimited access to the entire AquaVenture water park, which is like 141 acres, they have what they call an adventure day pass. And if you're 13 and up, it's $161, and ages 4 through 12 is $99, and of course, 3 and under is free. Um, They have dolphin-related activities, and this is where you can really um, make your budget go out of control. If you want to be a junior trainer for a day, it's $292, and adults are $441, but keeping it on the cheap, you can get a regular beach pass for $70 for everybody Four and under is free. So if you want to head over to AtlantisBahamas.com, and it's a little bit of a, of, there's a lot on the website. So just hover over the word experience. At the bottom of the drop down, you'll see day visitors. Just click on that, follow along, and you will be able to find uh, a selection, 14 selections that you can choose from that won't be $200 per person per day. Um, you said alternatives, um, you know, if those are too expensive, you can walk into town. You know, you can do a lot of things without spending that much money. But, you know, if you're going to go to a beach and you you have five people, um, the day pass for a regular beach uh, experience, it doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, no, not at all. So second question is a question I'm going to ask you because, so I'm, as you know, I'm going to Bermuda next week on Carnival Horizon, and I'm only there for the day. Now, last, on last week's show, I was asking the listeners for their advice. I got 60-something-odd emails uh, telling me where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, all that fun stuff. And the general majority said I need to go to Horseshoe Bay. I'm asking you, what suggestions do you have for me? Yeah, well, you know, that is Horseshoe Bay Beach is one of the best-rated beaches in the world. It's certainly the most photographed in all of Bermuda. Um, and it's pretty easy to get to, you know, the ships will dock at... Um, Near Royal Naval Dockyard, it's Kings Wharf or Heritage Wharf. And from there, just walk over the dockyard. You can hop in a taxi. It'll be a little bit, of ex- little bit expensive. They also run a private shuttle directly from the wharf to the entrance at Horseshoe Bay for $7. And that takes a little less than half hour. You know, there, if you just want to stay at the Royal Naval Dockyard, there are shops and restaurants so you can, and a museum. You can spend the whole day there. And if you really just want to get on another boat, you can take a ferry from the dockyard straight across the Sound over to Hamilton, which is the island's capital city. It's a bustling city. It looks like you're anywhere else. In any major city, there's a lot of banking, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's a lot to do where you don't have to spend a ton of money in Bermuda. It tends to be very expensive 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the horseshoe because it's everyone keeps talking about it, and the pictures that I've been like looking online look uh-huh. and the reviews look amazing. Like it's almost it's it, it, it is a postcard. It looks like a postcard, yeah. and also I'll just add, um, if anyone is bringing children there, they do have a little kids area too. Cool. So um, it's a family type beach. Love it. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Talk to you next week, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. See you then. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. We know you can't go on every single cruise, so we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Parker and his family just returned from a seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise aboard Carnival Splendor out of Long Beach, California. He joins us on the line. Hey, bud. How are you doing today? Good, man. So I can't wait to hear about Carnival Splendor. It's actually a ship I've never sailed on. But before we get to her, as always, we'll take a step back. What made you want to sail this seven-night out of Long Beach? Originally, it was a uh, seminar at sea we did on the Miracle a couple years ago. Uh, We did an excursion in Puerto Vallarta and... My wife and I both just decided we'd have to go back and bring the kids with us this time and uh, do the zipline excursion out of Puerto Vallarta. It was one of the best we've ever done. So that was the whole uh, starting of the planning process. And then when the Splendor moved over, it just made things a little bit more exciting for us. Awesome. Now, you live over in Las Vegas and then getting to Long Beach. Is that a drive for you or is it a flight? It just depends for us. Um, When we have the whole crew with us will usually drive it's you know we have three kids of our own plus you know extended family so you know we usually when we have the kids we're, we're traveling with between eight to ten people so driving is usually more economical for us it's only a three and a half four hour drive to the cruise port for us gotcha so, so this time we ended up driving out day of okay cool day of um you get to the long beach cruise pier what did you think of the new enhancements i know they like in february they rolled out the refurbishments yeah compared to what it was before uh before you used to have to kind of hang out outside and wait for the ship to be completely cleared. And then they would let you go inside and kind of rush you onto the ship real quick because there was really no waiting area. Now you walk up um, kind of like Miami and a lot of other cruise ports. You have the uh, early check-in, late check-in area, and then you have the on-time check-in area. So you walk in. uh, We got in about an hour and a half early 
and we got into the early check-in line, breezed through. We were, you know, able to kind of get in. Luckily, the ship was already boarding, so the seating area, which is new to the cruise terminal, was massive. So even if the ship's taking a little more time to, uh, you know, clear off, there's arcades, the captain's lounge now, where you still only hold about maybe 25 people, can easily hold probably about 100 or more. There's benches everywhere. There's a even a snack stand, just more than enough to keep a family entertained for maybe a half hour, 45 minute wait to get on top of the ship. And you know, it, it was it was amazing. The whole experience was a lot nicer than what it used to be. That's awesome. So I take it you've sealed out of there previous. Yeah, that's that's our home port. So okay. a lot of my uh, work goes out of there. We probably do the short cruises down the Ensenada at least once or twice a year, just to kind of get away and unplug and. So we're in and out of there at least once or twice a year, if not more. How long would you say it took from the curb to the ship? Um, I would guess easily 20 minutes, um, if not maybe 23 minutes at most, um, which is spectacular for, for Long Beach. It's usually a lot longer process. And so it was, uh, it was quite nice. You step on board Carnival Splendor. What were your first thoughts of the ship? felt very familiar. Uh, this also, it was my first time on Splendor myself, and so when I got on, everything just seemed very familiar to us. And uh, as we started exploring the ship, we realized the reason was it felt very similar to a Dreamclass ship. Mm-hmm. So when we walk on, you have that bar right there, and the restaurant's just to the left. Um, the whole atrium set up very similar to the, the dream classes, and so um, it, it was great. Got on, got our drink, and started exploring. Awesome. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? Uh, we had a uh, balcony ourselves, and all the kids had ocean views, and it was great. Very spacious. Only issue we ever had throughout the entire cruise was it seemed like a, the vent in our door um, was a little bit more open than most because we heard every ounce of noise in the hallway, but our kids didn't have that same issue. So I don't know if it was just we had rude neighbors or if it was um, lack of insulation where uh, the vents are compared to other staterooms on the ship. What deck were you on? We were on deck six. Uh, it's the first passenger deck above uh, where the balconies start. Okay. And as far as like space uh, for you and the wife, enough space to put everything away for the week? Oh, more than enough. Yeah. We, we are overpackers, and uh, we usually have to get very creative uh, door hangers and things like that to put our stuff away, and we fight over shelf space. But uh-huh. they, you know, this one had the drawers underneath the couch, and just seem to have a lot more space in general than uh, some of the other ships that we're used to cruising with uh, Carnival. Let's talk about dining, uh, main dining room first. What time dining did you have? We always do your time for the most part, which doesn't always work out for our large family. Um, but this time it worked out great. We got in usually within five minutes. Um, we actually found a great waiter and they sat us in his section every night um, it was spectacular. We ate usually anywhere between 5.30 and 6.30 every night, and they accommodated us quite nicely for the large group that we had, which is very unusual. What was your favorite meal in the main dining room? Oh, of course, formal night. Mm. You know, the, the lobster and you know, just little extras. The show they put on for formal night is always uh, a little more entertaining and a little more engaging. That would have to be the best one. That ship has a steakhouse, right? Yes, it does. It was uh, quite nice. A little odd placement as far as how to get there. Mm-hmm. We ate there on one of the nights, and you know, you go up to I believe it was deck ten, and uh, deck ten aft, 
and you just kind of stood there. We, our reservation was 5.30. There were two different doors marking the entrance, and so we didn't know where to go. Uh, both doors were actually closed and locked. Um, when they finally opened them, you know, they, it was a little tight squeeze, but we, we were able to get in. It's kind of a U-shape and, um, you know, separated by the elevator banks. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it's quite nice. How was your experience there? It was great. I mean, we've always been a fan of the Carnival Steakhouses, so, you know, the food didn't disappoint. The service was a little uh, lacking compared to what we've had in the past. Uh, I think it was just because they were understaffed mm-hmm. um, that night. Uh, it seemed like our staff was split between our side of the dining room and the other side of the dining room. And the other side obviously was busier. So, you know, nothing major. It just took a little bit longer to call a server over to uh, add on to an order or change an order or something like that. But, uh, you know, other than that, it was spectacular. The, the food was prepared perfectly. Our steaks were amazing. Uh, my wife always gets lobster ravioli, which people don't seem to really know about on in their steakhouses. And she was uh, happy as always. Cool. Does that ship still have the, it used to have as like, it was, I don't think it was one of the first ships that had a cigar bar, but they were known for having a cigar bar. Does it still have one? Do you know? I don't think they have the cigar bar anymore. No. Um, they do have a, a dedicated area for cigar smoking. Mm-hmm. It was very prominently marked on the fun times and you know, on all the ship maps and everything else. So I know they do have a dedicated area for that, but I don't remember seeing a cigar bar anymore. I didn't quite look for it, but I think that was replaced with the sports bar, if I remember right. Okay, gotcha. Uh, as far as the Lido deck marketplace, how was that? It was great. Uh, the flow was for the size of the ship. Um, you would never realize how many people were on the ship. Uh, they have the kind of similar to the Dream Class, the two separate buffet stations that are completely in the of each other. So there's a total of four areas for people to, to load up on food. They have a little hidden barbecue joint upstairs in the legal marketplace. Even though this doesn't have the 2.0 upgrades, there's the burrito bar, which is only open for lunch, unfortunately, so you don't get the breakfast burritos, but it's just like the blue iguana cantina for lunch, which was nice. The, another added perk was they had chips, which I actually had them make me nachos one day, which you usually can't get at the Blue Iguana, mm-hmm. um, but they were more than accommodating for a uh, nacho craving one day on the ship, and they uh, they hooked me up with that. Very nice. Uh, as far as entertainment around the ship, how was that for you? A little disappointing compared to what we've what we're used to with Carnival. The lounge band was uh, eh, not that energetic. They were good enough. They were you know they engaged with some people, but not. Not what we're used to. Um, playlist production, we went to one show. We tried it out. We've seen most of the shows, so it was nothing new for us. But we still, like, 88 Keys, you know, we like to go to that just to see if the cast has a vocal range for it. And they, they just did it. It's almost like Carnival needs to add on shows to, you know, kind of match the talent of the cast members that they're bringing aboard and mix some things up a, a little bit. So... As far as that goes, it was a little disappointing, but, you know, one of the great add-on features to the Slender, which a lot of ships don't have yet, is the lip-sync paddle, Mm -hmm. and that pretty much engages you from the first C-Day on. We had a blast with that. We watched the auditions. They have little mini battles uh, leading up to the uh, main battle in the showroom, and uh, I think that's a huge hit. I I hope to see that on all the uh, Carnival ships here soon. And uh, the traditional onboard activities on the Lido deck, the 
you know, Harry Chess contest and everything was great. Uh, Mark Q was our cruise director and uh, he was probably the most engaging and most entertaining cruise director we've had since Jamie D. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Jamie D either with her reputation or cruising with her. He, he was on her level easily and uh, made the entire ship, you know, just a party 24 seven. You know, back to your, your playlist productions comment, you know, there's two pet peeves of mine. One of them is first off faking it on an instrument. Like, you know, you're not really playing it and you're acting like you're playing guitar. Yes. And secondly is like a vocalist yes. not fit for the number where it's either, exactly. like you were saying, either bring some better singers in or make the shows a little less vocal intensive because, yeah, some of those shows I've seen on my past couple of sailings, like, I felt bad for the person singing because it was like, yeah, you shouldn't be trying to hit that note, you know? Exactly. And that's yeah. what it felt like with us. It was They would they would get to a certain point and they would still, hit, they'd be on key, but the, the vocals were supposed to continue raising, you know, in power, it kind of flattened out and the music was still, you know, intensifying, but the vocals kind of flattened out at a specific level. And it was very obvious. It was kind of sad. I felt bad for the, the performer, honestly. Yep, exactly. Uh, so how about, did you go to any comedians? Yes. I don't remember their names, but yeah, we went to three different comic shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, very good compared to what we've had in the past. Uh, one of them, what, he's been on Carnival for, forever. He's the, the biker guy. Um, I'm sure some people have seen him, seen him around, but uh, they, they were great. We had a, a comedian swap in uh, Puerto Vallarta, and one of the comedians actually missed the the port, so we didn't pick up the second one until Cabo. We saw a total of three comedians, and all three of them were spectacular. Very nice. Uh, how was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, this is kind of set up like a dream class, so you have... And, you know, even the Vista class nowadays. So your main pool Lido deck, it's the main stage for everything, of course. But it was felt a little small. Um, the only time we felt it was a little overcrowded is during the big events like Lipstick auditions and like Harry Chess Contest and things like that. But it, there was standing room because it does have um, two decks that you can watch everything from. You were able to at least stand in, and watch the shows which was nice. Uh, the third deck, the ship has the closing glass roof in case of bad weather. Mm-hmm. So because of the tracks and everything, you can't see down into the main pool deck from the very top deck. So you're limited to two decks. But all in all, the main pool area moved very, very nicely. The aft pool, which was adults only, uh, was actually enforced, which I don't see on every cruise ship. So it was nice to have you know, a way to get away from the kids in the spa. Um, But then, you know, even we we kind of explored everywhere. So we went on the water slide, which is uh, towards the front of the ship on this uh, specific ship. The saltwater pool up by the water slide was very rarely used. Uh, The spa there was very rarely used. So you always had a place to escape, even if uh, out of the, I think there's a total of eight spas on this ship. If one of them was full, you just kept walking and you found another one that was pretty empty so it it was nice the serenity deck uh, wraps around the front of the ship and there was always a place to sit always a place to find some little shade to get out of the sun if you wanted to Uh, so it 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 was very nice on the sea days let's talk about ports you hit and give us a highlight from each port on this uh, sailing it was a little unique Um, usually with the uh, riviera cruises it's a traditional three port stop 
So usually you end up going to Cabo, uh, Mazalan, and Puerto Vallarta and back. This one, it was two days at sea with an overnight in Puerto Vallarta, which is one of the reasons we chose this specific sailing. And then um, we did Cabo and another day at sea on the way back. Mm-hmm. So with Puerto Vallarta, gorgeous. The whole, the whole city is just beautiful. We got in around noon on the first day. We got off the ship and went straight to our excursion. So we were at our excursion the, pretty much the entire first day um, from 1 until we didn't get back to the ship till 7.30 that night. But the excursion was spectacular. The extreme zip lining, you repel down waterfalls, you, you know, ride mules up a mountain, you're taking water slides and zip lining through just beautiful jungles. You have a nice speed boat ride out to this little cove in the middle of nowhere. So the first day in Puerto Vallarta was, was consumed with that excursion, but it was a lot of fun. We got back to the ship and we were planning on going out and partying it up, but we were just all exhausted. So we actually hung out on the ship. We went, watched the, one of the comedians and uh, just tried to relax, to recover. Um, about the next day, kind of walked around a little bit, did a little shopping in town. And uh, once again, just got back on the ship and relaxed because we were still exhausted from the first day. So Puerto Vallarta was, you know, it is what expected. It's a resort town, so there's plenty to do. It does not feel like uh, Nassau or any of the other traditional port towns where you walk off and it's just a huge flea market in front of you. Um, you actually have a department store and a huge mall right across the street from you. There's Restaurant Row, just a short taxi right away. So there's plenty of options in Puerto Vallarta. Got back on. We set sail that day at 3 o'clock, so it was kind of like a little half half uh, sea day that day and woke up in Cabo. Cabo was nice as always. It's a tinder port, but they have their tinders down. Uh, being the only ship in, in port that day, we were off the ship within minutes. Of course, we had a carnival excursion, so we were had priority, but even with that, it, there was no waiting. There was actually tinders just bobbing in the distance waiting to get up to load. So it, Cabo does really good with tinder service. It's only about a Less than five minute uh, tender right into the uh, shore, and we went off and did a uh, snorkeling excursion, which was a lot of fun. Um, got away from Divorce Beach and Pelican um, Rock, which is the most popular spots for people to go snorkeling, and went to a little more excluded area down uh, south of Cabo San Lucas and had a lot of fun there. Cool. Very nice. Um, you wrap up Cabo, you head back to Long Beach. Uh, how was your disembarkation? Very smooth. We experienced a new, uh, what I think is a new for Carnival uh, disembarkation process, uh, which was good and bad at the same time. We always do the luggage assistance to get off the ship unless we're in a huge rush. And usually we get the uh, number tags delivered to our room the night before we get back into port. This time they actually had them set up down at the coffee shop on a big like bulletin board. You can come choose whatever number you want between this time and this time. And it was kind of self-assist as far as preparing for it. Um, the nice part was that you could go down. We always like to get the late, the last uh, number possible, just because we like to relax in the morning. Right. Um, when I unplug for cruises, I get back into port that first day and I spend a couple hours just catching up on work. So it, it was nice to be able to choose that last number instead of having to go down, and get, go down to guest services and wait in line to exchange the numbers or anything like that. Um, the sad thing about it was we actually got a letter a day early. So it was actually when we were leaving 
Cabo, we got a letter starting to talk about disembarkation, which you never want to think about disembarkation when you still have a day at sea. So that was kind of a little different, but we can get over that. And uh, with the new terminal in Long Beach, it seemed to move a lot smoother. Um, everyone was getting off the ship quickly. Uh, we got into port two hours late, actually, because of the headwind on the way back, where we were supposed to be in, I think, at like 7.30, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I think it was 7.30. We didn't get back into the port until 9.30. And they still had the entire ship cleared by, we were the last group off, and there was only a few people behind us, and we were off the ship by 11.20. So they did a very good job. Um, Long Beach used to have customs the second you get off the gangway. Um, they moved that much further into the building now, and so I think that helped clear the ship a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. We were able to find a porter in our luggage area, which is new for Long Beach. You're, usually porters were, you know, after customs. So we grabbed ourselves a porter, loaded up our luggage, and took the porter line out of the uh, customs area, which probably cut off another 15 minutes of our uh, disembarkation. And, yeah, we were, from the time our number was called, we were probably loading up our van within about maybe 20 minutes again, which is uh, – a lot better than what it used to be. See, that's a really, really good tip that a lot of people don't understand that if you if you use a porter to get your stuff, they normally, I can't speak on every single cruise port, but they normally have a dedicated line they go through where you're not wrapping through you know, a million people. It's kind of like, I guess, an express lane, if you will. Would that be correct in saying? Yeah, for the yeah. most part. Um, like you're correct in saying it's not every port. Um, mm-hmm. Galveston's one of them, unless they've changed since I've last sailed for them. Um, I grabbed a porter and thinking, okay, we'll do the porter line. Mm-hmm. And of course, no, the porter's staying in the huge line with you and just kind of go through uh, the normal line. And Miami, the last time I was there, was the same way, which I thought they had their own porter line as well, but I guess they don't anymore, or maybe just not that day. But yeah, Ports like, I know Jacksonville offers it, Long Beach offers it now. A lot of the ports are off. Yeah. will offer the uh, express line for the porters. So, you know, throw the porters a few bucks per bag, and it's well worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. Uh, any first-time tips to offer folks sailing on Carnival Splendor? Definitely enjoy the uh, offerings that you don't get on most of the Carnival ships anymore, such as uh, the Indian food. Tandor is still on that ship, which is a huge loss, in my opinion, for all the other ships in Carnival's fleet. But uh, don't be afraid to explore the ship. There's some hidden areas down in there. Um, You know, they have a huge nightclub-like venue that is pretty much only used for salsa dancing. And then they do have live music down there in the evenings, which was always empty. Um, I don't know why they don't use it more and and advertise it more. It's cut, but it is hidden. So explore the ship, find those little hidden areas, and don't be afraid to open a door and look in, you know, They're not going to throw you off the ship. They're just (laughs) going to ask you to leave if you're in the wrong area. There you go. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you? The excursion. Honestly, this entire trip was was based around that excursion, uh, bringing our kids to to do that and, uh, you know, getting the pictures of the memories for them was amazing. As far as onboard experience goes, I'd say lip sync battle. It was the first event on a a cruise ship in quite some time where, we had all eight of us in there making sure we got the best seats possible to, to watch a, an event, which is not always happening. We, we have all these kids with us. There are always two or three of them off doing their own thing, but that really brought us all together, which was really cool. Cool. Final thoughts of Carnival Splendor. Enjoy it. Uh, if you're a fan of the Dream Class, don't be afraid to check her out. She is be- 
usually laid out, has a lot of options. It's large enough that you feel like you're on a big ship, but small enough that you know you don't feel like you're getting lost. And time is ticking for her because she's being transferred, what, in the, at the end of 2019? Yeah, December 2019, she goes down to Australia, yeah. and we get the uh, brand new panorama, which is going to be exciting as well. Exciting stuff there. I've been talking with Parker about his seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise on Carnival Splendor. Thanks for being here, bud. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the time. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.